going to talk a little bit about today because there were some really good opinions on different areas of the law that may or may not be affecting you. And of course, uh, Tiffany will do her best to get you on the air. We'll get your question answered. So that way um, you can have, uh, you know, take a little peace of mind or maybe you have a friend who has an issue and you're saying, hey, friend, I'm going to call on behalf of my friend. And of course, um, you know, we're here only for one hour. And today the Patriots are playing early, so they're going to cut us off a little bit early today, but we're only here for an hour. So now a lot of you may or may not know that a part of my practice, and I probably haven't spoken about this before has to do with lottery winnings. And you would be surprised. Um, Massachusetts has one of the largest uh, lottery winnings there there is. In other words, they have some of the most payouts. And every year, and it's, it's on my website, but every year as part of my practice, I work as a fiduciary for people who have won the lottery. And what does that mean? Well, a lot of times, folks, if you win the lottery, let's say you win, I mean, if you win 100000 or you win 500000 it may not be as much of a problem. But if you're over the million-dollar mark or $2 million mark or even more, a lot of times you don't want to uh, claim that prize. You want to claim it anonymously. And the reason you want to claim it anonymously is because you don't want to be harassed. You don't want people soliciting you. I've had folks who have won the lottery come to me after they claim their prize because it's a public record. It's a public document that you go claim your prize and they have people come to their house. They've had break-ins. I mean, it's pretty scary stuff. Also, the question becomes, where do they invest their money? How do they invest their money? And, you know, as a fiduciary and also an attorney, what my role is, is not only to claim that lottery for you, um, in trust for you, obviously, but also to guide you on uh, a proper place to invest it and also how to manage it and help you through the process serving as your trustee, which will also help you with probate avoidance and other things. But in this particular situation, this was a story that was reported in, in my uh, recent uh, Lawyers Weekly. So every lawyer in Rhode Island uh, or Massachusetts or Connecticut, we get a, 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 a newspaper every week. It's called the Lawyers Weekly. And the idea is that we read it and we catch little things that pop out. Now, this man who lived in Maine, he won the $1.35 billion Mega Millions jackpot earlier this year. And he bought his ticket at a gas station in Lebanon, Maine. And now, so what had transpired was um, the mother of his uh, uh, child, uh, apparently there was some issue regarding the, um, uh, um, regarding the distribution of the lottery ticket and perhaps maybe child support or perhaps maybe something else uh, pertaining to alimony or something along those lines. Well, apparently he disclosed what he had won to the mother, but on the condition, I guess he paid her money on the condition that she keep his name anonymous, that she not disclose it. And uh, unfortunately, um, the she did not do that. Uh, so he filed a suit, a lawsuit against her, and the lawsuit states that he's seeking an injunction to restrain her from continuing to post that he was the winner. And he's seeking $100,000 in damages. 
but you know, the toothpaste is already out of the tube. The cat's already out of the bag. So, you know, it's kind of, um, it's a little disappointing, I guess. But so what, it, what happened here was when the money was given to the child's mother, he indicated to the child's mother that, hey, look, here's the money. This is where I got it from. And I'm going to have you sign a non-disclosure agreement. You know, non-disclosure agreements are good. They put people to a position to say, hey, look, I promise not to do something. It's a binding contract. I promise not to do something as long as you promise to do something. And so this is, they're more um, uh, prevalent, let's say, in an employee-employer relationship when you're dealing with trade secrets, you may have a non-disclosure. Or perhaps you have a product that you're bringing to market and you you go to a producer, you may have them sign a non-disclosure agreement. Or maybe you're in the process of a business purchase and it's a purchase and sale and maybe uh, you don't want anybody to know that you're purchasing the property or the seller doesn't want anybody to know what they sold it for. They might enter into a non-disclosure agreement. And the damages in a non-disclosure agreement can be a lot or they can be little. Uh, ordinarily, the non-disclosure agreement will say what the damages are because it's very difficult to prove how you're damaged when the information is leaked. In other words, a lot of people don't understand. You may be You may be damaged by something but it may not be something that you can receive compensation for. And I know that sounds like a little bit of a tongue twister. And uh, I guess, let, let, let me put it to you this way. Um, your neighbor plants a tree in your yard and, um, and then comes and cuts it down when it's mature. And uh, now you sue your neighbor because you say that he trespassed on your property and he cut down the tree. Well, what was the value of the tree? Can you be compensated for the value of the tree? Did the tree become yours? So you may have been damaged by a trespass, but the problem is there's nothing to be compensated for. And so now this gentleman's name is out in the public, I guess, because she leaked it. Uh, but yes, uh, so Lebanon, Maine, I guess if we're going to buy lottery tickets, we buy them in Lebanon, Maine to win $1.5 million. It's a pretty interesting case, but lottery winnings, they can be complex, and, um, and, you know, you should have some guidance if you really come into a large sum of money. Um, you know, I, I seen, I've seen the other side of it where people have come to me after, um, I had a, a client that won $8 million and they came to me afterwards when they were told to put their money into a certain type of investment. It involved oil wells and it involved all these different types of things and their money was just evaporating before their eyes before they came and talked to me and we kind of tried to get them straight with you know some guidance but in any event it's part of my practice and it's an interesting article as to what happens if you actually win the lottery and should you you hire an attorney yes you should and yes the attorney can claim the prize for you as your trustee and then basically what happens is uh People actually show up in my office. People will call. People will send letters, emails, uh, asking for money, believe it or not. And it's it, it can become a little overwhelming, so we kind of prepare for it. But it's something that you should be aware of. Pretty interesting uh, little story there and a pretty interesting little topic. The number here is 401-438-9776, 401-438-9776. Another interesting topic. Um, this had to do with a pet. Now understand, understand, you have people, you have pets. 
and you have things like a couch, a chair, um, a desk, a refrigerator. Pets are considered personal property. They consider those things. Pets aren't considered people. And what had happened here, I guess, a judge in Massachusetts, um, there was a Pomeranian named Teddy Bear. And a judge in Massachusetts decided to effectively award two people who were getting divorced joint custody of this Pomeranian. And um, that was appealed. And the party arguing said, well, what's the difference between that and kind of like a child? I guess it was a weird argument, but the other side of it said, you can't equate a person to a pet because a pet is treated as personal property, personal property, which means that a pet is similar to a refrigerator and a desk. And I guess the other attorney's argument was, well, why can't we agree to share personal property? We share real estate, right? So if you go through a divorce, um, it may be a situation where one partner stays in the house and the other partner does not stay in the house. And then when the children reach 18, the house is sold and the money is, is divided. I mean, you share a house, you share cars. It may be when you go through a divorce, um, you know, you, that there's only one vehicle to the house and you're going to have to share it. Um, but I guess, you know, this is going up before the Massachusetts appellate court. And I guess they're going to take this issue uh, to see whether or not how how the argument can be crafted. And it seems like they're trying to create new law with pets. And I understand there's an emotional bond. But unfortunately, the courts have just not caught up with that. They just haven't caught up with the idea that a pet is it can equate other than personal property, and therefore it needs to be divided. And since you can't cut a pet in half, it has to go to one person or the other has to be the owner of that personal property. But I can see the argument on the other side that you do share in a divorce. Sometimes you share assets. And even though you're divorced, you may still co-own an asset in a way. Um, so interesting issue. And that was in the Massachusetts uh, Family Court, which went on appeal to the Massachusetts Appeals Court um, over a little Pomeranian called Teddy Bear. And they have a little picture of her, a little cute little dog. So my name is attorney Steve LeVecchio, host of Legal Tips here on WPRO. Uh, if you're listening in Rhode Island, Mass, Connecticut, on a podcast, wherever you are, if you have a legal question, this is your chance to give us a call. We're heading into our first break. And when we come back, we'll get to more stories, interesting stories and legal topics. We'll be back in just a minute. This is a Stacking Benjamins with Joe and his good friend, OG, not only has great financial insight, it's laid back with humor, too. Joe talks with Stacking Deeds co-host, Crystal Hammond. I've always been a fan of nosy neighbors. I want nosy neighbors. They can tell you what's going on 10 times faster than you would know. Again, what's she yeah. talking about, Doug? Really? <laughs> we're repairing neighborhoods, but then we're into nosy neighbors and yeah, that, <laughs> build a career off of that. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. Attorney Steve Levecchio, host of Legal Tips on WPRO. And I believe we have Joe from Tiverton who's giving us a call regarding a billing problem. Hi, Joe. You're on the air with Stephen. How can I help you today? Yes. Good morning, Stephen. Um, so I have uh, dental implants and I don't have insurance. I paid for them cash. Now, I went to the provider about a year ago. 
Uh, we went over my options. We negotiated a price. It was roughly 10500 First procedure was going to start in February. When I showed them in February, they said, you have $12,000 due today. I said, wait a minute. It's supposed to be 10005 They went through their records. Okay, you have 10005 You're good. I paid the 10005 in cash in full. We started the procedure in February. The procedure, long story short, ended up in August. We finished up in August, and they said, you owe us $1,000. I said, listen, I went through this before. I don't owe you $4,000. We negotiated a price. I paid it in full. Well, 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 this, that, the other thing. They went from $4,000 to $35,000 to $3,000 to $25,000. Finally, I agreed, all right, $1,500. I'll give you another $1,500. You did a great job. It's worth it to me to give you the $1,500. I'll give you $500 today. Build me the last $1,000. I'll pay like $100 a month. That was in August. October comes around, I still haven't got a bill. I stop by, they say, hey, are you going to send me a bill? And what I was told then was, oh, we're still waiting to apply the discount. They haven't applied the discount yet, so I can't send you a bill. But once they do that, it, it was a lot of, I, I couldn't understand that. But the, the thing is, I, I owe them money. I know I owe them money, but they keep changing so much. I don't want to wait, have six months go by, and then they come back and say, well, you owe this plus interest and everything else. Do I have a right to get my bill settled or in a a short amount of time? Yeah, I mean, um, I agree with you on that situation. I mean, if you you had a fixed price for this procedure, since it was a non-insured event, I take it, and you paid them for that fixed price, and they're saying, then they come back, and maybe there was a complication. You know, you think of it, I guess you could think of it like a, um, you know, a contractor gives you a price to replace your windows and they open up and they find out your, your sills, your sill is rotted, right? Then they got to replace sure. the sill sure and then like they that, have yeah. to put the window in. Maybe that's a little extra work. Okay. And you kind of, uh, I suppose they could have told you that uh, at the time the procedure yeah. was going on, you know, that maybe this is causing a little bit extra work or whatever it might be, but on the others, or maybe the material price went up because it could have happened given the, you know, the cost of goods now and stuff like that. But yes, yep. you do have a right to resolve it. And I'm, I understand you don't want that hanging over your head and it seems a little unfortunate. So you gave him the 500, you know, you still owe him a thousand dollars. And did yep. you, what, what if you went with the thousand dollars and said, look, I, I just want to settle up. Can you please give me a paid in full receipt? Here's the thousand dollars that I owe you. Um, you know, and see if they can get I, I, well. I'm thinking that's going to be my only option, really. I did. I really didn't want to go that route, especially you know, December, Christmas, right around the corner, everything. But I did want to kind of get it straight away, and I was hoping they could just do it the right way, you know. Well, but, um, you know what? You but, know what happened? You know what I can only think of with their with most billing systems is when you go from a, like a flat fee type of situation where okay, here's the here's your extra bill and you're just paying a flat fee for that amount or a negotiated amount, and you go into a payment plan, it kind of adds a layer sometimes, and sometimes it's easier. Whenever you're settling a debt or resolving a situation is, uh, for example, just in general negotiations, when you make an offer to resolve a situation with a payment plan, you're at a, a less negotiating position than the creditor versus making an offer just to pay whatever amount you want to pay, whether it's the 2000 or 1500 and paying it and then closing the file. Yeah. To, to me, 
I would say, I would say, Joe, it may be in your best interest because it sounds like this is creating a little bit of stress in your life, worrying about this and all the time you're spending. Yeah, going back I, I, and forth. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, the, I, I the reputation they have. Of, yeah. Especially when they keep changing the price on me. You know what I mean? So right, right. now I own a thousand. Who's to say they're not going to come and say, well, you know, I was 25 now, you know, I should have never well, paid a full receipt when I gave him the money in the first place. Right. I, well, I, I mean, I if I, I, I if it were if it were me, if it were me, I guess I would say, hey, look, I go to the office and talk to the billing person and say, look, here's the thousand dollars. Don't worry about a payment plan. I just want to pay it in full receipt so I can just move on with my life and and see what the person yeah, says. Yeah. I mean, if, if that's what you owe and they're going back and forth, maybe they're having a problem getting the the head boss to approve one hundred dollars a month or something like that for 10 months. You know what I mean? Excuse me. Yeah, I, I think so. And they they keep referencing they had a a fire back in in the last spring, screwed up all their records and stuff. So I I don't know if that has anything to do with it. But I think you're probably right, um, Stephen. That's what that's what I'll do. Uh, you know, un, 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 you know, uh, unfortunately, they should have honored the. You know, if you shake hands, you shake hands, and you honor the price. Could right. there have been a problem? I mean, I don't know if they explained that to you or not. Maybe there was a problem. Maybe the. The cost of the certain implants costs more money than what they quoted you or whatever the situation is. But the reality is that, um, you know, if you want to settle a debt, the best way to settle a debt is to offer an amount and pay that amount. And then you the debt is settled rather than dragging it out because you lose negotiating power when you want a payment plan. Okay, that makes sense. All right, okay. Joe. Well, Thank good question. I mean, Have good question. Yep, yeah. you too, you too, Joe. Thank you for calling in today. All righty, uh, the number here is 401-438-9776, Yeah, sure, Tiffany's asking me if we're going to go to break. Uh, Tiffany, can you tell Carmino to hold on? Carmino from Providence has a problem with a neighbor dispute. So we're going to take Carmino right after this break. Again, my name is attorney Steve Lavecchio, host of Legal Tips on WPRO. Legal Tips is the show. That's what we do here every week. I'm only here for an hour during this show to help guide you through the maze that is the law today. And we will be back in just a minute. And we're back. This is attorney Steve Lavecchio, host of Legal Tips on WPRO. Answering your questions, giving out advice. And we do have a caller on the line. We have Carmino from Providence. Hi, Carmino. Are you there? Yes, I am. All righty. So how can I help you today, Carmino? I'm having a little problem with some new neighbors that moved in about five years ago. Okay. Well, now, they, the... uh, they've, been, they've been pretty good neighbors, and I haven't had any problems with them. But they, they turned around. They took down my fence that's been up for 40 years, and they put up a new fence over there without telling me anything. They told me they were going to put a fence up in back of their garage on the side. Okay. And they took mine down, and they threw it all over the yard, in my yard. What do you and mean when I questioned it, it he said the they owner told it, him to do it. They threw it in your yard? What do you mean they threw it in your yard? They spread it all over. They put one against one side of the house, one section against the other side of the house. They put one against my fence, and they put one on the ground. Okay. Did they put the the new fence in the same place? They put a new fence in right in the same place, and now they're trying to claim that. And besides that, they've been bending my fence in the front. They punched the post up. They bent it in two or three places, and I got a chain link fence. They're bending that down a little bit. 
and they broke the fence, and then they they snuck up at night, and they straightened the pipe out somehow, and they never put it back together. That sounds terrible. Can I ask you, the fence, was the fence on the property line? Your fence, was that the property line? I've had this thing, I've had this thing surveyed three times. And I haven't heard them anything saying about they had their land survey because this was this was three lots here, and the fellow I bought it for, he sold one of the lots on the end. And these we haven't had no problem for. I've been here fifty five years. I haven't had any problems. And, and this just started about uh, four week, three or four weeks ago. And they're still harassing me. They're still trying to push my fence down and different things over there. Right. So what I'm asking you is, did they put the fence, the new fence, on the property line? Right where I had my old fence. Uh, Was that the property line, according to your survey? No, I've got the pipes in the back of the fence. And I got it's marked off. Everything is all marked off over there. Okay. So that is I mean, what, that am I, is what the, are my options on this now? Well, first of all, they should They've been have, harassing me constantly. Okay. Well, how, uh, Carmino, how is, and when you say harassing, other than doing, taking down your fence, which they should not have done without your consent, what is the other harassment that's been happening, Carmino? The harassment is in the front where they've been, they, they hit my post a few times with their car. And it was bent. Then somehow they seen us looking at it. They straightened the pole half, halfway or half ass, whatever you want to call it. Yep, yep. And, and they and they broke the end of my my pipes. Oh. Okay. Is is, is your does their driveway go along your? Yeah, fence it's right near the their driveway. In fact, uh, the the people that were here thirty five years, I allowed them to hang their gate. The clips on my on my post, and there was a gate across there. They took the gate down. Okay. All right. If they put that gate back, they'll find there'll be a big space about three or four inches between the gate. They won't be able to do it now because they pushed my fence in. Did, and I have taken I, some pictures of it. Great. Carmino, did you file a police report about them destroying your fence? No, my wife didn't want me to do that. Okay. All right. So what is your question for me? Well, I mean, what are, what are my options on this here? Well, if she would have talked to you, she wouldn't even talk to me, the lady. No, that's too bad. I probably I mean, would have left the fence over there because it's, 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 it's a matter of maybe inches or whatever, or, or, or six inches or five inches. But it's not the point of that. It's the point is she don't even want to talk to me. Right. Right, right. And the fact that I really got nothing against her too much except for that. Right. But even being neighborly and disposing, even if they if your fence was really old and they took it down and maybe have the fence guy get rid of it. But just to throw it in your property, that doesn't seem very neighborly, Carmino. No, because that was my fence. I put the fences up. I put I put the fence up. In fact, there's a fence, the the pipes, uh, uh, a chain link fence all around my yard. It's been there for, for ever since I can remember. It's been there about 70 years. Yep. And it's the same thing with the front where they bent the post that was near their driveway over there. 
Yep. So your your wife is nervous and she doesn't want to make too much of a fuss about it, but you're bothered yes. by the fact that they're not being good neighbors. And have you ever, yes. when you speak to them, have you ever spoken to them after this fence thing to say to maybe no, just knock they, on the door and say she hello? She sneaks in and out of the house. Really? Okay. All right. I was thinking, you know, sometimes Carmino, um, it, it, you know, I, I think back to uh, the things I've told other clients to do in the past. And I, you know, one time I had a, a young couple come in and see me and, and, and I told them, I said, look, I said, you, you know, you're in this neighbor dispute. Your wife is pregnant. Your um, the neighbors giving you a hard time about fences. And, um, you know, why don't you do this? Why don't you make some blueberry muffins or corn muffins and go knock on the door and say, hi, what do, can we fix this problem and have a, and, and talk. And, if somebody turns down blueberry muffins or corn muffins and says no, then you know you're in for a fight. But in that situation, that young couple, actually, they got invited in the house. They sat down and talked, and she told them what the problem was, and they worked it out. Sometimes that helps, but you know, you, you don't know because you've never really spoken with this neighbor. You've never had words with the neighbor, have you, Carmino? Nope. Okay. Well, maybe um maybe a, a a knock on the door might be the thing to do. I mean you know, you knock on the door and you know, maybe bring over if you if you want to be a little neighborly, uh, bring over some chocolate chip cookies or some something like that. Just knock on the door and and say hello. I mean, look, if it all falls apart, I'm happy to send a letter for you. You know, we can do things legally so to speak. Number one, they should not have destroyed your fence. You have the right to be reimbursed for those costs to dispose your fence. I mean, but that might just escalate the whole situation, which might make your wife more nervous. So it may be a situation, Carmino, okay. where it may be a situation where maybe a knock on the door and say, hello, look, I just want to talk to you about the fence situation. And maybe they'll have their guy come back and get rid of the old fence or, or resolve it or talk about it a little bit. Now, if you knock on the I know, door, but I don't, want, I don't want to get okay. rid of my what old would, fence. I, I was going to put new pickets on it. Uh, well, what do you, what do you want to do now that, now that the other fence is up? What do you want to do with your old fence? Nothing. I'm going to. I'm saving the beans. I'm saving the beans and everything. And, and I want to show. Okay. The police, I'll well, probably Carmino. call them and have them look at it. All right. Okay, thank you. All right, Carmino, have a great day. Um, and Carmino, if you wanted to, at some point, give me a call at the office, I'm happy to look at any pitches you have or something like that. And maybe maybe that'll give me a different perspective. All right, have a good day. Sorry that's happening. Okay, I'll friend. give it a try. All righty, you got it, you got it. Alrighty, so this is attorney Steve Levake, your host of Legal Tips on WPRO, answering your questions, giving out some advice uh, again. Now that that call touches on an interesting issue. What happens if you find that somebody is encroaching on your property? Encroaching. So now you're the person 
who they're they're encroaching they're, they're they're taking some land from your property for their personal use what happens if you find out what is your recourse generally the recourse is to file a trespass complaint which it's not a landlord tenant eviction essentially what you're doing is you're going into superior court and you're saying superior court i want my neighbor enjoined or refrained from encroaching on my property i pay the taxes and insurance on the property i maintain the property now of course the neighbor may then say, well, we own it via adverse possession. But, you know, most of the time filing the complaint for what's called trespass and ejectment will prompt somebody to say, OK, let's resolve this issue. So when somebody's encroaching on your property, you go to court on what's called trespass and you ask the court to have them refrain from using your property. If you're on the other side of the fence, you'd be filing a complaint for what's called adverse possession, where what you're saying to the court is, court, I want to own their land. Now, that's a much higher standard, much higher standard to prove. And it should be a much higher standard when you're asking to acquire somebody else's property. It's actually, it's actually by what's called clear and convincing evidence, which means that you have to present not just that it's likely or more likely or a 50-50, it's more like a 75% standard that you have to present to the court to say, hey, court, I've occupied their property versus the trespass and ejectment where you're saying to the court, court, here's the property. I have a survey. This is where they're, they're encroaching. I want them off my property. Now, are you supposed to self-help? Well. There's a couple of different things that we have. We, there's a couple of different things that we have um, in the law, okay, for self-help. So what I mean is, let's say um, Carmino's fence was falling into their property or fell on their property, and it was left there. Then theoretically, it could be considered abandoned, and you may have the right to dispose of it, even though it's somebody else's property. But does self-help extend to the idea that I see that you're on my property, so I'm just going to rip down your fence and move it? No, no, that could end up in a situation where now you have caused damages to somebody else. So it's a it's a fine line. It's a fine line. And of course, before you take any action, you should always talk to an attorney to ask them what the best course of action to protect your rights and protect your interest is. And of course, that's what we're here for every week. And that's what I do in my practice. I've been doing it 26 years now. And that's how come I know all of these different areas of the law. And I understand what's going on in the law and up to date with what's transpiring. We're heading into our last break. We're all juggling life, a career, and trying to build a little bit of wealth. The Brown Ambition Podcast with host Mandy and Tiffany, the budget Nista can help. Ultimately, I'm not expecting that you know how to do everything, but I am expecting that you are willing to learn. You can't be in the passenger seat when it comes to your career. You, no. you can't expect your manager to teach you every single yes. thing. If you're falling behind in a skill, like finding a way to yes. get caught up without just telling your boss, like, I don't get it. Brown Ambition, wherever you listen. 
We'll be back in just a minute. All righty, we're back. This is attorney Steve Lavecchio, host of Legal Tips on WPRO, answering your questions, giving out advice on this uh, somewhat rainy Sunday, steamrolling into the holidays. Here we go, huh? Boy, this came around really quick. It's been a it was a fast summer and a, a fast fall this year, and um, it seems like time kind of speeds up periodically. But, you know, we, we I always think back to different times, and I was meeting with clients the other day, and we were talking about they, they were my age, and, and, you know, we were talking about, you know, when we were kids and, and how maybe times were a little simpler. I hate to sound like that, but um, I I remember uh, writing a letter. You remember when we used to write letters, not just send emails. You actually wrote a letter, writing a letter to my grandfather in Florida or reading a book, you know, just sitting down, reading a book, not having something glowing in your face or even um, not being able to get in touch with somebody because uh, they didn't have call waiting. You would get a busy signal. And you'd have to wait until they hung up off the phone, you know, and uh, you think about all of those things and in how how the law has changed over the years and over the time and how it's progressed from um, to now. I was in a court hearing this week and um, uh, one of the judges, Superior Court judge, he's a, a very, uh, uh, very in tune with the law and very in tune with the trends, Judge uh, Kevin McHugh, a very good Superior Court judge. Um, and, you know, he made an announcement that AI, about AI and AI and lawyering, and that uh, the courts are getting tuned to attorneys using shortcuts, using uh, this AI to like write a brief or to do work for them. And unfortunately, it gives incorrect citations. It gives incorrect um, uh, cases, uh, and it doesn't state what the case was. It's not. It's not a hundred percent. And these attorneys are getting caught. You know, basically attempting to cheat the system without having to do the work. And you know, I've always been one to open a book and read the book and find the case. And you know, it's just. Uh, I guess these times are changing as we go forward into this world. You know. But, you know, one of the things that we come across, and I guess the last thing I was going to talk about today, had to do a little bit about probate. You know, I've been doing probate work for 26 years now, helping families through difficult times, and I see both sides of the fence. So most of the time, we're on the probate where we're probating a will, and we're petitioning a court, or maybe we're petitioning for guardianship. But a lot of times, I'm on the other side of the fence where maybe we want to contest a will. Or maybe we want to um, argue over a particular issue in a will. And, um, you know, and how does that happen? What happens? And sometimes it's, it's a little more difficult. And I, let me give you an example. Um, mom and dad uh, have three children. One of the children lives at home. And um, if mom and dad have a will in place, let's say. And their will says it goes to our kids, you know, even Stephen, so to speak. But at some point in time, uh, maybe mom passes away or dad passes away and um, daughter takes mom to the lawyer and she signs a new will saying I leave everything to my daughter. Does not tell the other children that maybe she was leaving everything to the daughter because she um, 
if she was taking care of her. Okay, maybe maybe she was her primary caregiver for several years. Well, that, you know, it's got some consideration there, right? Um, but doesn't tell the children and then dies shortly after. So what are the issues there? Well, one of the issues, if you're on the other side of the fence and you just got caught out of the will, is did um, sis unduly influence mom? Now, what does that mean? What is undue influence? And, you know, the best example would be something along these lines. Sister said to mom, mom, if you don't um, sign a new will, I'm moving out and you'll have to be here all by yourself. And in fear, mom went to the doctor, went to the attorney and changed her will. That could be undue influence. Proving it is another story, right? So what's another way that you can attack a will? Well, you can attack a will if you believe somebody lacked competency. So they didn't they were not competent at the time they signed the will, which means that they lack the ability to understand what they were doing and the consequences of their actions. And if they did lack the ability to do that, then maybe that will was invalid and the original will stands. Now, how do you prove that? Well, that one's actually a little bit easier to prove, and that can probably be proven through medical records. You may have to hire an expert doctor to review the medical records to give you an opinion that mom was not competent at the time she signed the will. And that would be admissible in court and may be enough to undo the will. So there are different types of uh, issues that you can contest. You can also contest a will on the grounds that perhaps the will was not signed, witnessed, or notarized in accordance with the general laws. And therefore, it's what's called a holographic will. It's essentially an invalid will. And, um, and therefore, the previous will stands. And so, you know, these issues, when you're on the other side of the fence, you, you have to understand. See, understanding both sides of the argument helps me. So if I'm on one side, and I'm on the side where we're defending the will. I understand the arguments. I understand the burdens of proof so I can defend it. If I'm on the other side, then that's how it is. But you really have to have a firm understanding of what it takes to prove something. A lot of people can allege a lot of things. The question is proof. And there has to be some ability or some knowledge of your attorney as to how to prove what it is you're attempting to assert. You know, and that's what 26 years experience brings to the table, especially in this situ this situation I'm describing. Understanding the complexities of probate law and understanding how probate law should probate should be avoided by the use of trust and and you know documents and estate planning always it brings that to the table to help you through difficult times. Now my name's attorney Steve Lavecchio, host of Legal Tips on WPRO. Another great show. I truly appreciate everybody who listens, and I know you appreciate me too. And, you know, I got to give five stars to Tiffany again, my new producer. She's just doing a bang up job here, taking your calls, helping you get to me every Sunday. 
And, um, you know, of course, if you're dealing with a problem and you don't know where to turn, you don't know who to call, you can't get a call back. You know, um, you can give me a call at my office. We've got a, a nice office. I've got my paralegal, Waleski. We've got my attorney, Jacqueline, attorney Jacqueline Levake. You know, she's an attorney now. We're licensed in Connecticut. So now we do Connecticut, Rhode Island, and Massachusetts with questions. So this is wonderful. And um, of course, you can always call me at 401-490-4900, 401-490-4900. Or you can find me online at splaw.com, splaw.com. Listen, we'll see you next week. Thank Tiffany for all your hard work. And thank you for everybody listening. See you next week. Susie Schuster and Amy Trask present offbeat conversations and expert sports commentary as they ask, what the football? Carson Wentz got signed by the Rams. I sat in those league owners meetings for almost 30 years and the trade deadline was a hot topic. Push the trade deadline back so that teams that are in contention still have an opportunity to sign people. And there were other owners who said, no, we don't want players rented and we don't want fire sales. They had to make an addition and they chose what they thought was best. I'm just not wowed by him. What the football? The podcast is available Tuesdays wherever you listen.